0: what's up dub nation this is the we believe golden state warriors basketball podcast a sports ethos presentation sam Orlik here warriors now just one game under 500 24 and 25 11th in the west effectively tied with the utah jazz who are sitting at 10th 26 and 27 warriors got a very important four game stretch coming up starting tonight That's at home against Phoenix. That's going to be tonight at 5.30. Then they play the Utah Jazz, the LA Clippers, and the Jazz again. As I just mentioned, the Jazz are currently the 10th seed, 26 and 27. Two big wins against the Jazz would do wonders for the Warriors, solidifying themselves in the play-in tournament. Let's take a step back real quick. The trade deadline came and went... Uh, This past Thursday, as expected, Warriors did not make any big splashy moves. In fact, the only thing that they really did was offload Corey Joseph and some cash to Indiana for a second round pick. Uh, This is a top 54 protected pick, and basically this was just front office move, saving money, uh, saved the Warriors about $6 million in cash. Corey Joseph was on a vet minimum deal getting paid a little over $3 million for the season, but with the repeater tax, they basically um, owed him seven times that. So offloading Corey Joseph and some cash to Indiana saved them some money. Also, over the last few games, Lester Quinones has firmly entrenched himself as that kind of third string backup combo guard and he's been playing really well, Quinones. So, um Curry and Draymond had some had some thoughts um uh, after the last game against Indiana talking about, you know, what the departure of Corey Joseph meant for this team and they had some really nice things to say about him. As expected, you know, he's the ultimate professional, uh, just always ready, able to contribute when called upon, um, able to, you know, just just has a really great attitude, mindset, personality, locker room guy, mentor for the younger guys. And, you know, for me, none of this comes at a surprise. I know as far as Warriors Twitter is concerned, on-court production, a lot of question marks about Corey Joseph's effectiveness. Ah, uh, Steve Kerr's decision making around inserting Corey Joseph onto the floor at times instead of Pods or Quinones. But all in all, I was very pleased with what Corey Joseph brought to this team and felt like he met and/or exceeded expectations for your third string point guard who's on a veteran minimum deal and basically, you know, fulfilling the fourteenth roster spot for uh, for a very deep Warriors team. So um, wish him the best of luck. Indiana waived him. So unfortunately, you know, short of another team picking him up, he may not finish out this year on an NBA roster. So that all remains to be seen. Wish him the best of luck, though. Did appreciate what he was able to bring for the Warriors on and off the floor. Now this brings up, you know, the opportunity for the Warriors who have two open roster spots, 14th and 15th um, slots open, probably Warriors probably will not sign uh, a 15th roster slot, but they will be required to for the 14th. And so um, Warriors have a different couple different ways that they could go about this. There are several players who are expected to hit the buyout market, similar to Corey Joseph. Um... Names include Danilo Gallinari uh, is one player that I've seen some reports that the Warriors might be interested in. And then Otto Porter Jr. He was a part of a trade between Toronto and the Utah Jazz. I don't believe Porter Jr. has been waived yet. uh, But if he were to, obviously, Otto Porter Jr. was instrumental in the Warriors winning in 2022. So I uh, would be very happy if they would be able to bring him back on this roster, obviously in a different capacity and role. But if the Warriors are serious about trying to make some noise in the postseason, you're going to need veteran players who can step up when called upon. And that could be, you know, on the road in a tough playoff series and, you know, somebody comes off the bench and has an impactful six to eight minute stretch where they're playing a high level defense or they're able to score uh, eight points off the bench, chip in a couple threes. I mean, that can swing the tide of a game and a series. So you're going to need those types of guys regardless if they're going to play much um, in the regular season. Warriors obviously have uh, quite a bit of depth on this team at Pretty much every position other than the center spot. Uh, I don't really see any names out there on um, potential centers or bigs that they might bring in. Draymond Green obviously is 100% playing minutes at the five, although I think we're seeing a little bit at times of of Draymond and and Trace Jackson Davis on the floor. At least um, they're experimenting with that a little bit. So the other thing that the Warriors might do other than look outward on potential buyout candidates is look inwards and promote Lester Quinonez, uh from his current two-way deal to a guaranteed roster spot. Um, Quinonez would be a cheaper vet minimum deal than Corey Joseph was simply because a number of years played in the league. So that's also something that they could look to do and probably should do honestly because Quinonez has shown the ability to make plays on both ends of the floor, hit big shots, handle the ball, um, and just seems like the type of dynamic scorer uh, with a lot of Jordan Poole-esque type of flair. And um, for all my avid listeners out there, I think you'll know from, from the few seasons past, oftentimes we'd see Jordan Poole and Quinones working out together. Um, so it's no surprise to see that Quinones has modeled his game after pool, has some of his mannerisms or or stylistic flair, um, but Quinones can shoot, he can put the ball on the floor, he can score, he's proven that he's got some vision to set up teammates, and most notably what's important for him that's enabled him to get minutes on the floor o- over Corey Joseph is uh, defend without fouling and play defense at a high level with with a decent amount of intensity. And that point about defense really can't be understated enough. He said it himself, Quinones that he knows defense is his really defense is what will enable him to be on or off the floor. So really great to see him come on. Uh, As of late, he's deserving of the opportunity having been in Santa Cruz the last few years So would love to see him get that bump to a guaranteed contract. Um, That was kind of expected earlier in the season that he'd have more of a role, but this team has proven to have a lot of depth and um, that's been a strength as well as a challenge for this team. Um, And we'll talk about depth more later and what that means as this Warriors roster continues to get healthy. But just to kind of close out, the trade deadline discussion. Uh, before we move on, you know, I think a lot of a lot of fans were disappointed with the results of the trade deadline for the Warriors, expecting some big splashy deals, offloading Chris Paul, trying to package, you know, maybe Chris Paul and Moses Moody and future picks for some more role players or consolidating some of the depth to kind of upgrade for one or two players. And obviously, things didn't fall into place; they didn't work out. But I don't think it's for lack of trying. Uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr. came out after the trade deadline and said that, you know, they they scoured the market and explored different options, but ultimately they weren't able to find any deal with an appropriate asking price. Um, didn't see this officially confirmed, but there were. Rumors that the Warriors had offered Chicago Moses Moody in multiple future first-round picks for Alex Caruso, uh, the Bulls turned that down. So just kind of a great example of, you know, the Warriors thought that Jonathan Kaminga was basically untouchable. They probably explored trades for Andrew Wiggins, but unlikely to find any deal where the returning package would net a player better than Wiggins and likely were more willing to make deals involving kind of more of the fringe players like Moody and Future Picks. But this was not a buyer's market. This was definitely a seller's market in the sense that there were a ton of teams looking to upgrade because it does feel like it's so tightly contested in the West and in the East. And so... Any potential deals that were out there were going to cost an arm and a leg. Um, And that obviously there were some deals that that were made between other teams that feel like, man, the Warriors could have jumped on that. But I just don't think that because of their their limitations with their cap and their spending, um, the Warriors were very limited in what they could do and and what type of player they could bring in and the salary they'd have to send out and making the numbers work, let alone finding an opposing GM that is willing to do the Warriors a favor. Um, I mean, the Warriors basically had to send uh, Corey Joseph plus $6 million in cash to Indiana just to accept him to save $6 million in cash. And I'm sure a lot of teams said no to that because they don't want to do the Warriors any favors at all. So I just think that fans who are feeling, you know, disappointed in Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s first uh, first season, first trade deadline, he didn't make more moves, he didn't try. I certainly don't think this was for lack of of effort or trying. This is a combination of a difficult market, players that, are, that were or weren't available, and teams asking price. Um, you're not just going to trade players just for the sake of trading. And obviously you could look at the first you know, 30 to 40 games of the season and the Warriors lackluster results in the standings and, and all of the issues and feel like it's time to blow it up. Or you could look at kind of where they're trending in the last 10 games and see that this is um, a team that has a lot of potential and a team that I don't think anybody in the West really wants to face in a seven game series, despite all the issues that they've all the issues and turbulence that they've gone through in the regular season. So, let's kind of segue off of that Warriors trending in the right direction and look at that in a little bit more detail. So, uh, Warriors have obviously been one of the worst defensive teams on the season prior to the return of Draymond. They were like 29th or even 30th in the league in defensive rating. In the last 10 games per NBA.com, the Warriors are 8th in defensive rating and 5th in offensive rating. Uh, if you want to splice that even further and look at their last five games, uh, where the Warriors are 5-1 and one in their last six, with the only loss coming uh, in overtime uh, against Atlanta, the Warriors are fourth in defensive rating, and eighth in offensive rating. So, clearly, this is the Draymond Green effect, this is the Draymond-Wiggins-Kaminga trio, uh, this is the Warriors getting healthy and players returning to playing at the level that we know that they're capable of, um, and the results speak for themselves. In the last ten games, the Warriors are third in net in net rating, um, you know, only behind the likes of the Boston Celtics and um, and New York Knicks. So. Even though they've got those, you know, one point back-to-back losses against the Lakers and the Kings, the Warriors have been playing at an exceptionally high level over the last ten games. There's a lot to be excited for for this Warriors team. Um, and then most recently, uh, they had a very impressive win on a second night of a back-to-back against Indiana, one thirty-one to one oh nine. Indiana was basically at full health. Uh, Warriors were without Klay Thompson and they they basically led end to end. Curry had 11 threes. They held Halliburton scoreless in the first half. And it was basically um the second game, you know, they they'd beaten Philadelphia the the night before. Um obviously Philadelphia without Joel Embiid and I, and I believe they are also missing uh Tyrese Maxey in that game. So, you know, Philadelphia definitely a team you should beat. Missing their top guns, but second night of a back to back on the road against uh, a very good Indiana team that um, has a very high octane, high powered offense behind Rick Carlisle. And you basically just thwarted them the whole game, cruised to victory, held you know one of the most improved players, Tyrese Halliburton, in check for most of the game. Um, and Steph Curry was just putting on a master class from three. And you were able to get extended minutes for uh, Moses Moody and Trace Jackson Davis and um, some of the other younger guys off the bench. Just really feels like this team is rounding into form. Um, And now, when you look at the standings and you look at some of the teams in front of them and the schedule left for the Warriors, you know, it, it feels within reach for the Warriors to climb. the eighth seed even um you're gonna have to get over the hump you're gonna have to be you know starts with taking care of business tonight against the phoenix suns um two big games against the utah jazz uh another game against the clippers and um for the lakers who are currently in front of the warriors and, and the jazz sitting at the ninth seed um you know, health is a big question for them with with Davis and LeBron, and and for other teams um, ahead of them in the standings as well. Uh, health is a question for the Mavericks with with Kyrie Irving. Health is a question for the Pelicans. Uh, health is a question for the Suns. So, you know, you've got a decent chunk of the season left. You've got about thirty plus games left for the Warriors, and there is opportunity for them to make noise here. Um, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth seed is, is kind of out of the question here. You're, you're, um, currently, uh, five games out of the fifth seed, um, behind the, uh, behind the Phoenix suns, but, um, you know, you gotta just take it one game at a time. The warriors have had one of the more difficult schedules up to date in the league and um, you still got a bunch of games remaining against the Lakers and the Mavericks. Um, You already kind of took care of most of your games against the T-Wolves and Thunders and Clippers earlier in the season. So I like where the Warriors are standing right now. I feel like they got a really good shot to um, at least get to uh, seven or eight. And should other teams start to kind of fall off a little bit or run into issues with health, Warriors feel like they're trending in the other direction. Um, on the topic of health, uh, GP two has been cleared to return tonight in Phoenix. Again, couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, getting Gary Payton back, he is you know the Warriors' second best defender on this team, I think without question behind Draymond Green. Um, gives you another option for point of attack. Gives you another explosive guy off the bench. Just another weapon to help close out. Uh, Possessions, quarters, games. Um, Obviously, fan favorite brings so much energy and intensity to the floor, Um, but does also bring up some questions for Steve Kerr and this coaching staff. Because as the Warriors return to full health, what's the rotation going to look like? This was a real issue earlier in the season, right? The Warriors are too deep. They have too many players who can play. Uh, Who's going to be the odd man out? but also that was before the Warriors had really kind of leaned in and accepted what roles should be, and that applies to guys like Clay Thompson. That applies to guys like uh, Kavon Looney. So um, it will be very interesting to see what the rotation looks like as GP two and and Chris Paul even. Um, come back to this squad. Chris Paul's still a couple weeks away from from re-evaluation, so we don't have a firm date or timetable on his return, but uh, GP2 has been cleared, and I would expect him to play tonight. Now, I don't expect him to play, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, but um, certainly could see Steve Kerr giving him, you know, two uh, stretches of maybe six to eight minutes per half. So, when we talk about the minutes per game and the rotation over the last ten games, let's kind of go through and look at how minutes have been distributed um, for this roster in this uh, stretch run where they're where they're playing so well offensively and defensively. You know, with the caveat that um, some of these games have been blowouts, especially as of late. So you've gotten some kind of extended um, extended time for guys off uh, on the end of the bench like uh, Trace Jackson Davis or um, even kind of Moses Moody or Saric, who have kind of fallen out of the rotation a little bit. Um, so over the last 10 games, no surprise, Curry leads the Warriors at 34.2 minutes. Then you've got J.K. at 33.7, Clay at 32.8, Pods at 31.5, Wiggins at 29.9, Draymond at 29.1, Quinonez at 17, Moody at 16, Saric at 15.9, Corey Joseph was at 13, but he's no longer with the team, Uh, Santos at 12.5, and and Looney uh, 11.9, and then Trace Jackson Davis at 8.5. So just looking at that, uh, you know, Curry, JK, Wiggins, Draymond, I don't expect that to change at all. Um, Clay, I think is a big question mark. Steve Kerr's talked about recently as the team returns to full health and full strength that they would like to reduce Clay Thompson's minutes and his workload, potentially sit him occasionally on back to backs. That to me makes sense, and and Clay probably doesn't need to play upwards of 33 minutes a game. Maybe you get him down to 27, 28, um, and with a few less minutes, you know he's got fresher legs and maybe a few more of those shots go in, and he he he's got a little bit more. Um, a little bit more floor with higher efficiency um, also i don't know if pods is going to continue to play 31 and a half minutes he's obviously been um so good when he's been on the floor there's been a lot of graphics lately about pods and and what he's been doing and and he's having um, putting up some historic numbers as far as um most points assists and rebounds over a five game stretch with limited turnovers so he's got Fifty plus points, forty plus rebounds, thirty plus assists um, over the last five games with two or less turnovers, uh, which is just phenomenal. When you talk about a guy, a rookie, let alone let alone a player, but a rookie on Steve Kerr's team who never plays rookies, uh, mind you, and on a team that's been plagued with turnover issues, this kid plays hard, attacks the basket. Uh, has the awareness and IQ to get his teammates open, defends without fouling, uh, rebounds the ball, and doesn't turn it over. Um, The only thing that's really missing from his game right now is a jump shot. Uh, He's looked uh, very fearful and unwilling to consistently shoot the ball. He maybe attempts one or two threes per game if he's wide open, but he's still getting 10 points, just hard nose drives to the basket, getting his feet into the paint. Um, And so you love that from him. Pods has just been simply... Uh, sensational. So I do expect Pods to continue to have a sizable role. I don't know if that means 31 and a half minutes per game. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe GP2 cuts into that, or maybe CP3 cuts into that. I'd probably lean more in in Chris Paul's return, um, cutting more into Pods minutes. I think that will be probably a bigger question and conversation that we'll have yet again when Chris Paul is officially cleared to return you know, where's the team at in two weeks? Have they continued this, um, this kind of frenetic pace being, you know, top, top 10 offense and defense in the league? Um, does Chris Paul take on a little bit more of a diminished role compared to earlier in the season where he's really just navigating the second unit? Um, earlier in the season, we saw a lot of three guard lineups with, um, Steph clay and, and Chris Paul or Steph, uh, Steph, Chris Paul, and Pods. So, uh, what's the coaching staff gonna do? But getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, you know. I think if we're talking about what uh, GP two is gonna do in the short term, I think you know it's probably gonna be eating into a little bit of the minutes of Clay and Pods, and also potentially Moses Moody. So, uh, Moody missed a bunch of games. This is just his third game back, but Moody is like leading the Warriors in points per touch, simply because he is such a efficient player in the sense that uh, he makes quick decisions, and you know pretty quick if he's going to attack or shoot after he catches the ball. If not, he's moving it on um, within the flow of the offense, and, and he's fairly efficient and, and fairly aggressive and, and looks really good, uh, passes the eye test. So, um, it's gonna be curious to see what Kerr does because you you do have so many talented players on this roster, um, only so many minutes to go around. But it also feels like the team is kind of leaning into the in, leaning into its identity of we don't need our vets to play 35 to 40 minutes per night. We can lean on our young guys. and there's gonna be nights where, you know, Curry only plays 25, 28 minutes, like the game, against Philly, I believe he only had nine points and played 25 minutes because he just didn't have it going that night and we had a big lead against a bad team and you didn't need Curry out there a lot. So if the Warriors are going to be elite on both ends of the floor and take care of business and, and go up against some subpar teams like the Utah Jazz and build big leads and sustain those leads because you're not turning the ball over and you're not um, committing a bunch of silly fouls and sending the other team to the, to the free throw line, You set yourself up to have big leads, to manage and maintain big leads, and that's going to equal more minutes for the young guys and continue to develop and play them well. Sure, when the playoffs come along, you're not going to have a 12-man rotation. You're probably going to have an 8-man rotation or maybe 9. But that doesn't take away from what I said earlier on the show about you're going to need a Dario Saric or a Danilo Gallinari or an Otto Porter Jr. to step up off the bench and hit a couple threes or come up with a uh, some some crucial defensive uh possessions in a deep playoff run. And that and we saw that in the 22 season, right? Bielitsa in and out of the rotation throughout the regular season, but he had some pivotal moments for us where he came off the bench and made some big plays. Um and so, you know, that's where I think there's some more question marks as to you know, is Steve Kerr really going to trust Lester is off the bench in a playoff game? I don't know. Probably not. Um, What about pods? I don't know. I'm not sure. That'll actually be an interesting question to explore more later. But in the meantime, use this opportunity for these guys to continue to develop, continue to play basketball the right way, and all of that is enabled with winning games and having success on both ends of the floor and not making mistakes. If you're losing and you're not playing well as a team, there's really no leeway. You really kind of push Steve Kerr's hand um, into or force his hand into needing to ride the guys that he can trust. But when everyone's playing well and making the right plays and you're winning games and and climbing up the standings, it's a lot easier to have a longer leash, to have more flexibility um, and more opportunity for uh, the guys that aren't uh, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. So that's all we got for you guys today. Again, huge game tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Would love to see the Warriors be able to take care of business and and finally get to 500. And then a couple games against the Utah Jazz sandwich between another matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers. I think, you know, Warriors just got to take this one game at a time. Um, slowly move up the standings. Continue to develop their guys. Continue to um, get healthy as as they get GP two back tonight and and Chris Paul reevaluated in the near future. Uh, will be interesting to see what happens in the buyout market. You know, do they go after Gallinari? Do they wait and see if Otto Porter Jr. gets bought out? Do they convert Kenyonis to um, to a guaranteed contract? Do they opt to get? Um, a 14th and 15th slot on the roster, and and accept even more, um, you know, even more debt for for Joe Lacob and, and this very expensive Warriors team that he's paying for. Um, all very interesting questions, but it certainly feels like the Warriors have kind of gotten over the hump and have shown or found their their identity as of late, and are certainly trending. In the direction that you'd like to see at the right time in the season you've got 30 games left you go on a nine and one uh win streak this team looks a lot different um than where they did maybe 10 games ago so uh things are looking up in warriors land and i'm certainly excited to see where this goes uh the rest of the season and um yeah should be a big game tonight against phoenix and once again this has been a we believe golden state warriors basketball podcast if you haven't already please give me a follow over at twitter that's at sd Orlick. subscribe rate and review the show thanks for tuning in guys and we'll catch you on the next one